So we got Jordan Swan on the other side. My name is Eric Swan, so it's kind of unique. We got similar last names, and uh, you don't really hear too many swans out there in the world. I know there's a bunch of swans in Sweden, uh, but not too many in the states. Okay. No, not really. Uh, it's funny. I actually came across a Jordan Swan in the past, and that was a lady. So okay, uh, that was a that was a funny interaction. Yeah, so, uh, Jordan can be both male and female, right? Correct. Yeah. Very good. And so we met uh, doing the sports car stuff, the sports car coaching. I was your instructor over at Speed Vegas Exotics Racing. And I'll I'll just backtrack for a moment. Uh, this is the EricSwanRacing.com podcast. I like to jump right into it. And this is number 131 with Jordan Swan. And so, uh, like I was saying, you came over to Speed Vegas and we did some car coaching. You were the driver. I was the coach. And so how did that go for you? That went pretty well. That was my first experience uh, on the track in uh, in a car. I've done some uh, some other track uh, situations before, but uh, that was a great first-timer. And uh, I'm definitely going to be back there at least once a month. So pretty excited to, to be there again pretty soon. Awesome. And uh, were you in the Porsche GT4? That's correct. Yes, sir. And what do you think of that car? Was it pretty nimble, pretty fast, uh, easy to uh, handle? That, that was what great. Was that, that was great, actually. When I came home, I started to kind of look around if there was one available for sale and kind of look at the price tag. <laughs> <laughs> really got into it. So I'm a big uh, big Audi Porsche guy, and uh, I really loved the car. It was uh, easy to just move around. I was a little um, cautious with it at first. Uh, didn't really want to... Uh, to get too aggressive because uh you know everything was so nice and so <laughs> so good looking about it you don't want to break anything right that at that car brand new starts out at i think is $101,000 stock uh it's street legal but it's still about 414 horsepower about 3200 pounds so it's pretty capable fairly light in in regards to uh sports cars uh, that are stock from the dealership so it's a pretty capable car, I think. I love I love coaching in that. It's uh, it's manageable. It's predictable. It's not too much power that people can't handle it, but it's it's enough that you're still going at our at our 1.3 mile track. You're still going uh, 120 miles an hour down the straightaway, so almost double what you do on the street. Yeah, that's pretty double sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, no, so that, tell me how you. Uh... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just confirming what you were saying. That's a very, very nice car and it gets a lot of feedback and uh, sensation. So I was really excited to to see that uh, what I thought would be a limit is actually really far from it. And uh, there is plenty over, plenty over there to, uh, you know, just uh, to keep on pushing, you know. So that, that was really cool for first experience. I think that was really, really uh, adapted to uh, what I had to give and uh, what I was really ready to receive, you know. Yeah. And sounds like uh, you have a lot of experience in go-karting. Is that right? A lot of experience. I don't know if we can say a lot, but I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I started a journey and uh, I think that go-karting is the first step in it. So I'm spending a lot of time, uh, up to eight hours a day over there. Uh, it's 12, uh, 12 lap races and I do up to 20, 25 races a day. So nice. trying to put 300 laps every day. Um, it's a uh, short laps, you know, it's just commercial go-karting. Um, but it's getting me a lot of time behind the wheel. It's right on the street from my house and uh, it gets me to, um, to interact with a lot of people. You see a lot of track guys coming there every day and, uh, and you see how surprising it is that you would expect somebody that spent so much time on the track to get there to the go-kart and be extremely good at it. And this struggle, and actually when I came back from Vegas, I got there and I was trying to apply what you told me over there. And I struggled because I realized that it's it's just so different. The mechanic of it is fairly similar, but it's just the the, the power to weight ratio is very different. So you're like, oh, it's just gonna be slower, but it's not it. There is so many differences that if I apply what you taught me on the track, I would do absolutely terrible. <laughs> and the first few steps that I did with you, I was trying to get in mind kind of what I do over there with the go-kart and that was absolutely terrible as well, so.
it's really, really funny to see that it's not just four wheels and a steering wheel uh, and the mechanic of it. It's just so much more. Um, but anyway, I was saying those guys are coming to that place quite often. People that come from dirt bikes, people that come from NASCAR and so many different people. There was even a Jeff. I, I, I probably will say his name wrong, but Jeff, Jeff Newgarden from uh, IndyCar that came there and I was expecting him to just break all records and he didn't do that well. He didn't do bad either, but he didn't do that well. And that's where you realize that jumping from one vehicle to another, you can be really good somewhere and not that great somewhere else. So I am really excited to spend time there and meet all those people and exchange all that information with them. Uh, yeah. It's just you know, a good step toward my, my goal. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think that karting is probably the fastest way to become a race car driver. However, they're very similar in some aspects, but it's very different in others, right? You can probably get away with a lot more mistakes in a cart and not spin the cart. Whether you do that in a car, um, you spin it a lot quicker if you're having bad technique. So they're very, they're very similar, but uh, they're a little bit different as you've noticed. So um, it's not exactly the same. And, you know, I'm still trying to brush up, brush up on my knowledge. I bought a few books. I'll show you here that I'm I'm getting into and, and starting to read. I have a practical guide to race motorcycle electronics. So I do both bikes and cars. Um, I just got this one in the mail today. Um, I actually know this gentleman, Vince Consiglio. Uh, he was my coach for a while for street riding. Uh, we fought the law and changed it about the motorcycle helmet law in Michigan. And okay. how we, uh, repealed that law, whether you think that's good or not. I don't that's debatable, right? I, I think you should always wear a helmet, but I think you should also have the freedom to choose as well. Um, I got one, How Your Motorcycle Works, kind of a general guide to components and systems of modern motorcycles. So this might be a general overview, but it's got a lot of good information in here that you never go wrong with. I uh, just got another one called Sport Bike Suspension Tuning, How to Improve Your Motorcycle Handling and Performance. So that's a cool one. That's by Andrew Trevitt. Um, uh, this one is one of the godfathers of motorcycle racing and riding, uh, the soft science of road racing motorcycles, uh, by Keith code. And I'm beginning to work, actually work for Keith, uh, at the Superbike school, uh, California Superbike school. That is, uh, I got another one from him. It's called the twist of the wrist uh, again by Keith code. Okay. And I also have twist of the wrist too. I've read that one like four or five times cover to cover. Um, that was the first book I really read on how to ride a motorcycle at the racetrack. And, uh, I would highly recommend okay. twist, twist of the wrist too, to anybody, cars or bikes. It's just the foundation. Uh, also have sport riding techniques. As you can see, I'm a little obsessed, uh, sport riding techniques, With so motorcycle. <laughs> mostly, mostly motorcycle stuff, but I did just get, um, two of them. I started the first one I'll mention here. Uh, they're both by Ross Bentley. That would go more along with uh, what you're doing, which is speed secrets, professional race driving okay. techniques uh, for sports cars and open wheel as well. And it goes over so many different aspects of this. I'm only on like chapter three or something on this one, but just got that one in. And another one by Ross Bentley, Ultimate Speed Secrets, which is the complete guide to high performance and race driving, which I think would be right up your alley. So, uh yeah, I don't get okay. any commission if you buy them, but I think there's such valuable uh, techniques and lessons in here. Like the first whole chapter of Speed Secrets I was reading is all about your seating position in the car. And I was like, this is the first thing they're talking about? Like, why is why is that so important? But they were even saying in there a bad seating position uh, is worth up to half a second a lap. Because if you're not able to use the controls properly, how can you steer the car properly? Or like if you don't, if you're stiff arm in the steering wheel and you're steering like this, you know, with your arms straight for people who are listening, um, it's very, it's, it's going to be very difficult to actually control that vehicle properly. Same thing with the motorcycle. If your ergonomics don't feel good, it's mm -hmm. going to be hard to, to have good control inputs. Um, one big thing that I've learned from motorcycle racing or even cars is just what is the minimum necessary control inputs that you can have into the vehicle to make it to make it ride or drive good uh, or well you know most people are fighting the wheel or the handlebars 
too much. Um, one thing I think is extremely important to think about is uh, for motorcyclists, especially people are holding onto the bars with a death grip and that limits the, what the motorcycle wants to do. And so we say, well, if you're in a car, would you be putting all your weight on the steering wheel, essentially not sitting down on the, on the seat? Well, no, of course not. You can't steer the car if you're putting all your weight on the steering wheel. So it's the same concept going to, from bikes to cars in a lot of, in a lot of ways. It does. And on a bike, it gets uh, a lot more dangerous. If you get a speed wall ball situation and uh, you're too grippy on the handlebar, then it's not going to end, uh, end very well for you. Sure, exactly. And it's so, similar in a car. Yeah. If you know you're starting to initiate a slide in a car and you limit the uh, the natural counter steering action, the passive counter steer, uh, and you try to actively counter steer, most of the time you go too far and you're now going to initiate another slide or a, a, a flick or um, what's the word, or a snap back to the other side, and you have a spin that way. So uh, it can go both ways. A lot of times the car is more is smarter than you are. Just go with the flow most of the time. And uh, just be as uh, gentle and uh, soft as possible. When you're too right. stiff, you, uh, you make uh, brutal changes. And that's something I learned way before thinking about racing. But I grew up and got my license, travel license, where there is a foot of snow month out of the year <laughs> so driving in the snow is very much like driving a car on the track at really high speed you have to be very gentle with everything and if you go too rough then the car just goes all the way out and uh, it's not something you want to happen and so uh, where did you grow up driving <clears throat> in the east of france um not not at the Switzerland border, but just about two hours away from it, an hour and a half. And uh, yeah, we uh, we usually uh, have so much snow in the in the winter that we have to leave the car at the bottom of the hill and just pull the groceries on the on a slider or something because oh, wow. we just can't make it with the car. <laughs> and so you're and so uh, from you're from France then? Correct. That's correct. I've. Uh, was born and raised over there, grew up there, and uh, when I turned 22, I came to the U.S. Uh, je m'appelle Eric. Hi, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I took one semester yeah. of French in middle school, so I, I know a couple words, but not, not too much. I'm much better at Spanish right now. Yeah. It's funny how everybody in the U.S., every time I say I'm French, they try to say something. <laughs> and sometimes you have those ladies, they try it so hard. And I'm like, you know, you don't have to. You, <laughs> you're okay. It's all right. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my gosh, did I offend you? I'm like, no, I'm not offended. But just don't butcher the words, please. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important to learn multiple languages. You get uh, to be able to, to communicate in so many different ways, learn their culture, learn their food, um, learn how they interact. I think it's important. It is. And uh, it just brings you a lot of understanding in uh, different aspects, too. Uh, when you get to science, uh, speaking different languages, when you when you don't find a way to explain something in one language, and then there is another way that comes, let's say, in French or in Portuguese. I, sp I speak Portuguese as well. Um, it makes speaking easier. So it's really nice to speak with somebody that speaks French, English, and Portuguese as well, because I can just go from one language to another, and they will understand what I'm saying. And actually, when you do something like math and you see all those signs in your head and everything, um, I mean, not everybody is a visual thinker. Um, that's the way I think. And when I do math, sometimes I'm counting and I'm going to say numbers in French. And then two seconds later, I'm saying them in English. It's however the flows goes. And it it, it just helps to uh, to get it done um, faster. Sure. And... Uh... Tell me about when you started to learn English. Was that early on or later in your life? And was that uh, more difficult than French or about the same? So I learned, I mean, I had English class for as long as I can remember in school. But when I came to the U.S., I was just saying the following few words. Hello, my name is Jordan. I'm from France. Um I would call every girl pretty because that was the easiest thing to do. <laughs> and then that was about it, nothing else. So I actually had to learn everything here on the spot, 2016. Uh, I got the chance that I was going to school with American people. I was living with them. There was kids 
as well. And I was playing sports, so on the field, everybody was playing, uh, was, was talking very uh, either slang or very loud or very quiet. So I was exposed to so many different aspects of English very quickly that I didn't have a choice. I had to learn, and I was really able to learn proper English, um, like corporate speech or like slang, and pay attention when people are just very murmuring. The coach used to be used to talk so quietly and everybody was so loud on the field that I have to look at his lips and just read on his lips to, to understand what he was saying. So that was a great experience. And I think that helped me uh, speak a better English now as I don't think in French and then translate in my head and all of this. I just think in English because I was not given translations. They would show me a steering wheel and say, this is a steering wheel. They would not say the French version and an English one. And I'm saying it with a very simple, with the word for one object. But as a sentence in general, when they say, hey, don't translate word by word, it's absolutely true. And when you learn it in school, you have the, this tendency of everybody's teaching you that way to say, oh, this morning I cooked breakfast and ate some chocolate. And then they're going to say it in your language. And it's going to be very word by word where it's more of a feeling the way you express yourself. So I'm very glad that I got to learn English in the U.S. because it made my life a lot easier later on. Yeah, I'd say most people don't speak in proper English. It's a lot of slang, a lot of words that really aren't in the dictionary, probably. Or I, I've said this before, but, you know, if somebody says, what did he? They don't usually say it like that. They say, what did he? What did he say? Right. <laughs> so that's not really a word. But but you say it fast and it becomes a new a new word. Yes. And then a lot of people write like they speak, something that's a pet peeve. And I just, I don't say anything. You know, I, I own my business. So I have employees and I see them doing this. I'm like, oh my goodness, my eyes are like bleeding to see this. <laughs> but should have, people say should up. And then this, they write it down, should off instead of should have. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like so simple. And like, it doesn't even make sense to say something like should off. Right. But, just people like read it like like they speak it and you see so many funny mistakes every now and then that you just you're just thinking what happened <laughs> where did this get lost in the in the making yeah they just they just skip school i guess or they didn't they don't care about the grammar but yeah it's it's always like uh nails on a chalkboard when you hear that kind of stuff mm-hmm yep you know uh it's, it's I think it's the, the culture in the US. It's very um, uh, nurturing to the kids where the Latin culture or the French, European in general, um, but the French culture, it's nurturing, but in a different way, it's very aggressive. Mm. You know, parents are very much like, you don't have a choice. And you know, when a kid asks, why should I do this? Like, because I told you. So we just, we don't ask. The parents are like, that's what it is. Your parents' word is the law. So you obey to whatever they say. And and I feel like here, when you make mistakes as a kid, the parents are very much like, oh, it's all right. You're going to do better next time. Where in France, you know, my parents would be more like, you're going to do better next time. And, you know, just like this movie when they say, oh, I promise you I'm not going to disappoint you ever again. And they say, oh, I know you won't. And then they just shoot the, the person. Therefore, they're not getting disappointed. It's kind of like the same thing at a different scale, obviously. But it's the same thing. It's like, oh, I promise I'm not going to make that mistake again. And. The parents are like, oh, yeah, I know you're not going to make it because there are going to be consequences otherwise, you know? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think it's and, maybe uh, 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 people want more freedom here to do whatever they want. And they're they're not smart enough to make those decisions, even though they might get the freedom to. Yeah, I, I don't think if it's smart, it's just this whole um, I am not for and that's just my opinion, but I'm not for uh, compensation trophy. It's uh if you if you're not first you last basically or like yeah. um, what was his name was it massa that said this if you second it just means that you're the first one that lost <laughs> yeah um if, if you finish second it just means you're the first one that lost and first second third i get it but then when you're the very last one of 20 30 kids and you get a little trophy so your feelings are not hard, hurt then it doesn't build like the confidence of oh i'm gonna do better and that's why i have this anger and this this hunger as well toward just winning and I, I can't accept not to be first that's why i'm just at what i do every single day until i get it right 
And once I get it right, until nobody can get it as right as I do, is because if I'm not first, I'm angry. <laughs> yeah. I'm angry, not at the other person. I'm angry at myself. I'm like, I got to do better. And here when they're like, hey, you're not first, it's okay. Here's a little present. Here's a candy. Here's this. It creates this environment and this mindset that if you're not first, it's okay. And I don't think it is. You don't have to be uh, very aggressive about it. You can just teach your child, hey, it's not okay to not be first. You're always going to strive to do better. Um, but um, just don't be aggressive. Right. You should <laughs> don't always... be like Latinos and French parents. <laughs> yeah. Be too aggressive. You should always strive for excellence. Um, you're not going to be perfect mm -hmm. in everything. You got to pick your battles, right? So I'm never going to be a astrophysicist or some some uh, chemist. Correct. Probably. I don't think that's in my cards, but you know, I do think I, I can be a high level professional in my field. Correct. Yep. Whatever you go, you just you do it to be the best at it. Otherwise, there is no point in it. Right. And that's why I'm starting this journey. And you and I had that talk that I really want to get into Formula One, that it might be, might get too hard, might be too hard, and it's okay. I don't see that part. Perhaps I'm not going to make it, but that's not what I'm looking for. Like, I'm going to make it. And one thing that I learned from a customer a few months ago is that the thing is never about the thing. I came to the U.S. to do something, and I'm doing something, something completely different. And some people could be like, well, then you failed. I'm like, I failed at my original task quest but whatever i got out of this is just so much better that it was completely worth it and out of this i learned the new two new languages i uh i mean financially i made to i got to make more money than i ever thought i would make and i'm i'm far from being wealthy far from it but um i got to be in a position that as a french citizen i would have never thought i would ever be able to be uh, just because I actually went after something and I didn't give up until I either got it or got something better. And what I'm doing here is that I'm going to go after this with all my might and I'm going to go after it until I either get it or get something better. Now, there is not much better than being a Formula One racer. So we'll see what could come along the way that's better than this. But I'm going to go after it until something happens. Sure. And so when did you start uh, your journey of uh, driving or, or sports car performance uh, or karting, anything like that at the track? Uh, well, I started uh, November 29 of last year. On the 29, I called my HR lady. We very close and we talk about a lot of work things and aside from work. And I called her, I said, look, it's been on my mind for a while, but I'm going to be a Formula One driver. And I didn't say, I think I'd like to be. I said, I'm going to be one. And I was like, now I'm screwed because I have no idea where I'm going to get started. I, you know, I just woke up and I said, that's what's going to happen. But where do I start? Like, <laughs> I'm 29. I'm not old, but I'm a little too old for this, you know. Um, so I had no idea. And then on the 30, November 30, I actually decided, you know what? My first step, where how to get something done is always baby steps. And for baby steps, there is a first step. So my first step was to go to K1 Speed. It's down the street from my house. It's a fairly worldwide known go-kart place. So I knew I was going to come across people over there. And I started going there. And when I started, I tried to make the top 50 of the year, knowing that it was November 30. And I was leaving on December 19 for Brazil. So I had 19 days to make the top 50 of 365 days. I didn't make it. I finished like 65 out of everybody. So it's not that bad. And I'm not too upset about it. I wish I could have been in the top 50, but I'm not too upset about it because, like I said, I had 19 days. And I came back from my European trip after Brazil. I went to Europe uh, on January 12th, and I was already 2,000 points behind the number one. And I said, this year... That's going to be me and I'm going to show the world that nobody stands a chance and that I'm going after this dream and I'm going at it seriously. And just a few days ago, last Monday, actually, I crossed 10,000 points so that I was the first person on five digits. Um, as of three weeks ago, I would have been in the top 10 of last year already and it's March. So that's um, based on points that you get for completing races or is that based on lap time? So it's based on points. Uh, it's based on how many people you pass, 
uh, you you lap time and you lap average. So if you have the best lap of the race, you get two points. You have the best average, you get two points. And for whoever is in the race, you also get two points. So mm -hmm. it's it's mainly time and money spent on there. It's not really about skills. But if you're terrible at it, you also don't get all those points. Right, so you right. have to somewhat get good at it. Yeah. Uh, so I spend a lot of time there. Um, and obviously, I pick and choose my battles. If there is two people on the track and I've already been racing 300 laps today, I'm not going to just keep on going for six points. That just doesn't make any sense. And days yeah. like Mondays, there's double points. So I might spend a little more time over there. Um, but that way, my name is over there. So I'm not really doing it for the sake of like, oh, I'm first just on points. Because like I said, it's mainly mm -hmm. time and money. And I don't find that very... Um, glorifying or anything but my name is out there and it's funny because i've had people like create an instagram that you have especially just for this journey and everything specifically for this journey and i have people reaching out to me on there that were racing with me and then they just found the instagram and they start sending me messages um people found my company online and texted the company's uh direct line like office line say hey i hope you get slower in the next race because i want to beat your lap time yeah. so slowly getting some exposure i see some little kids coming yesterday some little kid came with his family and um i'm very friend with most of the staff that walk over there now so they came to me to tell me later on but the parents were like oh yeah so uh, my kid wants to race jordan swan and then the kid was like oh my god no i don't want to race jordan swan <laughs> and <laughs> it's just funny because like this leo baleron I get exposure, and like I said, I get to meet really cool people that race other um, categories of vehicle. And just because I'm out there, and I'm there every day, and I'm doing my thing, then I I just get a few cards in my sleeve to grab their attention. So now we can interact, and we can entertain a, a conversation that would never have happened if I was not out there. And just showing my name over there and i'm trying to like show it by a lot i think i'm like three thousand points of or three or four thousand points in front of the number two just because now i'm like hey i'm not just first i'm taking this seriously you know this whole sentence of uh amateurs uh keep on doing it until they do it right while professional do it until they can't get it wrong right well that's what i'm trying to do i get i get on the track every single day and some carts one of the difficulty of go-karts in commercial go-karting is that the carts need to be uh, maintained by the, the location. And some carts are like having more collisions with other people. So they're slower or they steer less or more. You always have a different cart. So it's really good to adapt and, you know, kind of chase and be like Kimi Raikkonen about a half lap within the, the vehicle. You could just adapt to whatever he was driving. So it's really good. Um, but it gets to push my limits too because my line can't be the same every single time with a different cart uh, and I have to make micro adjustments so I keep on doing it until I can't get it wrong regardless of which card I get and and that's that's all the thing that I'm trying to represent and to help me lead the way towards statement number two which I still don't know what it is yet um, well, do you I have, have a goal the, uh... for 2024 Sorry, do you have a, a simulator at home, um, with like a wheel and pedal setup at all? No, I don't. That's that's part of what I want to buy this year. Um, so probably going to do that sometime in April. Um, I kind of want to review the different simulators. I kind of like found a few things that seem to be a pretty good setup, but I want to discuss with more people. So coming to Speed Vegas, discussing that with you and kind of like, talking with different people. I started following Sparko on Instagram and they post a lot about this. Uh, there is this company, there was a convention about those simulators in Dubai and they uh, just last week and there is this company called Teleos that has a simulator as well. So I really want to be exposed to everybody and kind of see what would fit my needs best because I don't care to have a $100,000 simulator just because yeah. it's the cool stuff that vibrates and lifts you up. I, I, I'd rather get something cheaper, but that's more fits to my needs rather than you, just... you don't need something that costs that much really um i have a fanatec uh i would look it up f-a-n-a-t-e-c is a really great brand they have uh -huh. there's, there's many others but that's one i went with um and it was a couple thousand two three thousand total for the for the i have a dd1 wheel and a formula one 
it's a wheel base, DD1 wheel base and a Formula One style wheel. Uh, but you can get tons of different types of wheels that you, that are circular or even like a mm -hmm. McLaren that you can actually put on a real car. Um, so they're very high level. And then I have the V3 inverted pedals. Uh, even the Logitech stuff is pretty good. Um, I would recommend something like that. Um, and I use Assetto Corsa, which is the game that I'm using. You could use it on PC, Xbox, or PS4, um, maybe even PS5 now. But um, it's very accurate. And I think most of the people who are working at Speed Vegas actually have something similar to that. Um, all the instructors do. So I think it's very valuable. Uh, iRacing is really great as well. But I think the I feel like the grip model isn't as accurate as a set of Corsa. So like you tend to spin way easier in iRacing than you would in a set of Corsa. I think it's a little too unrealistic in iRacing. But uh, that's a very popular okay. game as well. And uh, I personally know a guy who won an iRacing championship and got a, a real ca car drive. He got a seat in a car and a pro series for SRO championship in Canada. Um, and so you can really translate the skills from a simulator into a real life car fairly well. And, uh, you know, the first couple rounds of the season, he said he was not up to speed because it's so different when you have the G force and everything. But by the end of the season, he was winning races and getting on the podium, uh, first time at first year ever in a real car. So I would, I would say. The karting is not a bad idea, but like you experience going from the carts to a real car, it's different, right? So getting uh -huh. some time uh, behind a simulator is maybe even more important, I would say. Uh, if, you, if that's the route you want to take and, and you know, go into cars, I would look at getting a simulator. I would look at doing track days and maybe even renting a car. Like, like what well, Speed Vegas is more of a an experience, right? So it's not... It's not, a, it's not a driving school. Um, so I would do some some serious driving schools that you can go out there and rent their cars, like a Skip Barber school. Um, there's many different ones around the country. But more specifically, uh, school environment where you have, say, five to seven sessions of 20 minutes in the car. And they typically have five classroom sessions of 20 minutes as well, where they go over specific, detailed uh, pinpoint Bam. drills that you go out there and then practice. Um, so I okay. think those would be very valuable for you. Um, and just get out there and do some track days. Like one time I rented a car from a rental agency place and took it to the racetrack. I made sure I had the premium insurance. I mean, it was just a street car. It was a stock road car uh, with nothing, nothing fancy on it. And you just drive any vehicle to its limit. And you, you know, you okay. just... You might not be going uh, mock speed out there with a uh, Chevy Malibu, uh, but you know it's at least you get to to experience what it's like in that type of environment, and you get to be on the track. I, mean, I, I drive drivers. So you you can bring a, um, a regular V Corp to any racetrack. Uh, there might be some restrictions, but yeah, I mean, as long as it doesn't fall apart, you don't even it what didn't have race tires or race brake pads. It was completely stock. Uh, this was just a track day organization. This was in Michigan um, last year, I think it was. And uh, I just okay. wanted to do up my first track day in a car. Maybe it was two years ago. And uh, so I just, I tried to get a BMW M3. I thought that would be really cool. I went to reserve it. It said, it said uh, sorry, um, after I reserved it, I got a message right after uh, saying, sorry, it's unavailable. It needs more maintenance. I'm like, oh, well, I just paid for it, but they gave me a credit. So, uh, okay. I did it again with, with, uh, another sports car and they said, Oh, sorry, you know, uh, we need more maintenance. So I did it twice in a row. I got another couple hundred dollar credit. I was like, this is kind of working out. Just getting free money doing this. And then, uh, <laughs> there weren't many cars available okay. uh, that in my area for that sports car. So I just, I just went with, uh, the next best thing. It was either a Tesla and the Tesla, I was like, well, that's going to die in a session or two. I can't take that to the track. So uh, I, I got only other car in the area was this other uh, other vehicle. So I just did that one. Okay, that's good to know. Um, I mean, my my whole business is based around vehicle, obviously not track vehicle. 
Uh, but we got a couple five series for the company. Uh, I have an A7. Um, and then with Churro nowadays, it's just so easy to uh, to rent any any car you want for a pretty reasonable price. So definitely something I, I'm going to look into because as of right now, I was trying to come one time a month, once a month to Speed Vegas. Um, I mean, obviously over there, I get to be with an instructor in the vehicle. I even started to look for sponsors. Um, I get to be exposed to a few uh, CMOs that could potentially be interested. I just need to find a way to put it together um, to, I don't know, maybe fly to Vegas once once a week. It's uh, it's a 45-minute flight. I can be on the plane at 6.30 in the morning. By the time I get to Speed Vegas, it's 9 a.m. I don't even know if it opens at 9 a.m. I spend all day on the track, and then I fly back at night. So if I get sponsors, that's something I could do once a week. Um, definitely gets that idea that I just mentioned, renting a car or using one of my vehicles to go to the racetrack. And then same thing for exposure, because training is a huge part of it, but exposure for more sponsors and for people to get interested to, okay, why should we give him a seat in that race? I was thinking to do just um, a tour of all the K1 speed in America. On the Instagram, um, that's props to my friend uh, Roberto. He's also my photographer. Uh, he gave me that idea, but I could announce. And every Wednesday, Thursday, I go to a different track. So I jump in the plane right after Speed Vegas. I go there. I spend Wednesday to kind of learn the track because each track is different, obviously. I spend Wednesday to learn the track. And on Thursday, it's called Fast Thursday. There is some challenges those days. So you get the fastest kid from the town that usually go on Thursday because they get free races if they get the, the best time. So that would be a cool thing to display a schedule on the Instagram and kind of like get that exposure and people from all around us like, hey, Jordan's one is coming in town. Let's see where the wet seat's all about, you know, and then I get. Great. So, so, yeah, you were saying um, you've been you're, you're looking to go around and do like a uh, a K1 uh, K1 speed karting uh, around the country and visit all the different locations. Correct. Yeah. And announce it on a schedule, kind of like a tour to get the exposure. And if I can get enough exposure that people kind of get excited and talk about it. Perhaps I can get the local track guy that are going to come and that kind of want to check out what it's all about. So now we can interact and I can make connections, hopefully bring something good to them and they could bring something good to me. Um, and then just bring the best out of that situation. That'd be great. Yeah. And so if you're looking to really go the F1 route, um, you know, I don't want to put a, uh, a damper in your excitement, but most of those guys who are in F1, have been at the racetrack since they were three to five years old or younger. So like they basically grow up at the racetrack. I'm not saying it's not possible. Anything is possible. And I love seeing those aspirational dreams. Um, but if you're really looking to go that route, I would do racing schools um, as much as you do in karting, because that's the number one way to get way faster. Um, if, if, if you have somebody teaching you, um, teaching you all the all the different drills that you can do in the car and techniques that will allow you to go faster and be safer um is really get on a racetrack with a, a bigger vehicle um and on the bigger courses you know the the karting is great but it's it's not everything it's, especially if you don't want to be a go, professional go-kart racer and if you did want to be a go-kart racer i would even recommend looking into tag carts tag or shifter carts um, the tag carts mm -hmm. are really quick. Um, uh, the Tony carts are, are great. Um, the IAME X30 horsepower engines are out of this world. Um, but something like that would be the next step up from K1. K1 is mm -hmm. more like a, like you said, it's, it's a commercial operation where you just rent the carts. Now, if you had your own cart, you could be traveling to all these different go-kart tracks, going double the speed and uh, yes you'd have to be doing more maintenance on the cart uh whether that's transmissions or engines or you know changing tires but i think you get a better sense of what's really possible if you were to mm -hmm. do some uh like uspks uh is united states pro cart series i would highly recommend at least attend one of those events uh, talk to those people because those people are much closer to uh, real racing than than uh, K1 is not to throw shade at it obviously at all, but it's it's the next step and if you're really mm -hmm. looking to get to that next step I would say do
do less of K1 and do more of outside uh, go-kart tracks and do more of okay. the, big, the big tracks with cars. Uh, that will give you so much more of an understanding of what these cars are capable of or look into formula series, the open wheel series. Cause that, if that's what you want to do, look into formula four, formula three, formula two cars. And, and that is the, the roadmap to, uh, to formula one. Now I actually work with a guy, another guy at speed Vegas, who is a Indy lights driver. And that Indy lights is the road to Indy cars. So it's, it's the okay. Phoenix series. There's a US uh, 2000, which are formula style, open wheel sports, um, not sports cars, but open open wheel formula cars. That would be a great place to start. Um, even going to the paddocks of these professional races for IndyCar, talking to them, because IndyCar is very similar to Formula One, ex except it's more mm -hmm. of a spec series instead of a development uh, series, you know, where they're trying to develop all this new technology and they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars. So, you know, mm -hmm. sponsorship can be lucrative. Um, and I've had 20 sponsors myself for motorcycle road racing, but most of them, most of the sponsors at our level are going to want to pay you in free products and discounts. So it's a, it's, it's a very much pay to play sport. So the hardest part about racing is funding it. Uh, now, if you have a business that's successful and you can, you know, have a couple hundred thousand dollars uh, to spend on it, that's great. Uh, not a lot of people have that extra income to just, you know, spend on their hobby at this point. But um, like for me, a full professional series of motorcycle racing, uh, 10 rounds, maybe say 11, 11 rounds plus testing rounds um, and training, you're looking at. Uh, $150,000 for a full semi truck and a plane ticket to every event, hotel rooms, you know, food and all that. Now, an Indy Lights full season, which is not even IndyCar yet, uh, just the feeder series, you're looking at $1.5 just to show up. Mm -hmm. So um, you're talking IndyCar, you're talking probably tens of millions. And to do Formula One, you're talking probably hundreds of millions just to be on the grid before you even win a single race. So just to enter mm -hmm. the series, you're talking big money, um, which is a big barrier for a lot of people, for me especially. So like, there's a ton of people with a lot of talent who just don't have the money to do it. And that's where I'm trying to, um, to, to make a point that whoever you are, just set your mind to it. And like I said, so like, okay, like you said, the, the the carrier the the karting um events that you were mentioning i will ask you a few questions uh, after the podcast to kind of like write down everything we just spoke about so many very interesting points right here um k1 was my baby step my first step that's going to be the second one and a lot of people have so many dreams and things and it remains a dream because they don't know where to start and when you start you realize how hard it is but i want to be able to kind of pave the way and show that even without financial support from the beginning, you can make it happen. But the question is how? So I want to make it happen. And then once I've made it happen, I can show the how. And that's really what I'm trying to accomplish with this. Um, I've been kind of bugging some of our Qualcomm customer for a little while because they sponsor uh, Formula One and they're very much into sports and try to get their name out there. And they are customers. And, you know, I'm very close to this company. I feel very... Um, very attached to it for some reason emotionally i i've seen it grown just since i've been in the us even though it's it's been around for a lot longer and if they were to come out with a phone and a laptop then i would definitely like start buying those products because i don't know i have that that attachment anyway uh, i've been bugging them for a while because they have these products that seems to be named something like around edge of possible and i really want to show that at the edge of possible you can still make it happen um so I understand that the money is going to be a big problem, but if you set your mind to it, anything is possible. Now it's a sentence. A lot of people use it, but don't back it up. And I want to be the example that backs it up. So now other people can get just inspired. Uh, what the world needs is a little more inspiration and a little more like that little spark that says, just keep on going one more day, keep on going one more day yeah. because tomorrow is going to be better. And then, 
one of those tomorrow, it's going to happen. Just you might, be you might be depressed because you haven't made it yet. Well, you're not depressed. You're just like, it's a down day. It's okay. We all have them. Sometimes you wake up, sometimes I wake up. I'm like, why am I spending all this money for? Like, why am I spending all this time for? Because while I'm spending the time there, I'm not working 100% on other things, you know? Sure. But it's okay. We all have those down days and it's just this one more day thing and keep on doing it until you figure it out. And once I figure it out, I can just guide other people just like mentors have guided me in other aspects. And I'm sure you've came across mentors that have helped you as well. I want to be able to, to mentor people that have dreams and, and just want to make it happen. Yeah. So um, uh, there's a racing school that my buddy just did for Formula 4 cars. It's it's called Radford, R-A-D-F-O-R-D, Radford Racing School. They, and they're in Formula 4 cars. Um, they go all around the country. I'm pretty sure it's not just one track. Um, the next one they, that they have is actually, um, let's see, it's actually happening today, today, Monday through Wednesday in Chandler, Arizona. So not too far away. Okay. Then um, they do sports cars. They do drag racing. They do open wheel cars. Um, my recommendation to you is, uh, check out uh, some of these links that I've already mentioned, but, um, and I'll give you some of these links later if you ask for them. But also look up, you know, motorsports reg, R-E-G dot com. And uh, it's through Haggerty, a very famous motorsport brand. And they have a huge list of events happening in your area. You just type in your zip code or where you are. I think you're in California, not too far from me. And they have all these events from motorcycles to sports cars, open wheels, karting. Um, and they have it's an event registration website. So you can see all the events happening okay. within, you know, a thousand miles of your doorstep, or you can limit it to 200. And I would go to these events um, and just ask people, just talk to people. For anybody who's listening, you want to get into racing, you're interested in it, you don't know how, go to your local racetrack. It, you, most of the time, uh, there's no um, there's no tickets. You don't need tickets. Most of these are amateur events. Um, and so you just, you there might not even be a gate fee. If there is, it might be ten to twenty dollars, a small amount. Mm -hmm. you, don't to, you don't have to pre-register or anything. You just show up and pay a small fee, if that. And you can walk around the pits. It's not closed off. You can talk to anybody as long as they're not going to go out in five minutes. They'll be able. They'll love to talk to you. Um, mm -hmm. Just go out, go out there, talk to people, get okay. information. Um, ask if anybody has rentals for vehicles. Um, how can I sign up? Can I do a session today? You know, bring your helmet just in case. Um, a lot of times, though, if it's a car event, they'll be like, yeah, jump in the passenger seat. I'll give you a ride along. And um, okay, then you start meeting meeting friends and talking to people. And you're like, oh, wow, um, there's an event next week. I could probably I could do that. Um, mm -hmm. Now, okay. if, if you really have some money, you can rent full on race cars from different companies that have like a show up and drive type of uh, service where. Uh, I've looked it up. I've asked them the fees. It's it's not cheap, but like you can rent GT4, GT3 cars. You can rent pretty much whatever you want if you have the money, if you talk to the right people. And uh, they will fill up the cars. They'll tune the suspension. They'll put new tires on it. They'll drive it to the to the racetrack in their semi-trucks. And they'll say, all right, here you go. Don't screw it up, <laughs> you know? And then if yeah, you okay. it, there's usually insurance that you pay if you pay X amount of dollars, They'll cover you up to this amount. If you pay more, they'll cover full coverage. You know, so if you screw it up, you're you pay the deductible and then you're done. Um, all different okay. sorts of scenarios. Um, and if you're looking to get into motorcycles, you know, I'm I'm training to be a coach for California Superbike School right now. So uh, that wouldn't be a bad option. We have a fleet of forty uh, BMW S1000RR superbikes. And we have leathers, okay. we have helmets, gloves, boots, back protectors. Show up and ride. We provide. Uh, I already have. Uh, yeah, I already have all the equipment. Breakfast and lunch, and uh, dinner's on you. But um, there's usually a hotel within 20 minutes of the racetrack, so we usually go there. But um, yeah, this year I'll be going to I think 11, 11 racetracks uh, within eight states and two different companies for coaching. So. I'm all in, man. I love it. And I'm trying to get more people involved in it. Okay. Well, I definitely know a few people and I'm actually going to 
mention your name to somebody that organized. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Track Dads. Yeah, yeah. Track. I know that I've uh, podcasted with him before. Is it? Uh, okay. I forget his name um, off the top of my head. Is it Dustin? Dustin, yeah. Dustin uh, Cornier. He's yeah, really yeah. nice. Um, a friend of mine that does the same kind of business as what I do introduced me to this team um, in the past and uh, been going to a few of the events. Really, really great guys. And just same thing as you mentioned for showing up and uh, just asking questions about cars. Then they do the same thing with, with motorcycle. Just button widow is the little more oh, yeah. inland and far away from everything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, great guy. And um, I'm sure there is plenty of people that he interacts with that would be interested in the kind of thing that you have to offer. Yeah. Uh, so I'll definitely put you guys uh, in touch one more time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and what you were cool. saying. Uh, It'd be cool if you mentioned my name. He's like, oh, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's cool. Really cool. And what you were saying earlier, getting into something like the US 2000 or Formula 4, I've actually been looking into this. And in January and February, they had two events in Austin. Three days events. It was an expensive one. I mean, $5,000 a day with a two-day minimum plus insurance and everything. But they were putting you in a Formula 4 car and they were actually doing training and plenty of laps, uh, lots of track time with actual um, scouts going there for Formula 3 and Formula 4 events. I was not able to make it. Uh, unfortunately, I just came back from a month month traveling the world. So spending an extra $30,000 plus I had to catch up on work. So I was unfortunately not able to make it, but I'll definitely go to the next one. Um, so already been looking into this. And I believe, if I'm not wrong, I believe that's the championship for Formula 4 UAE and Formula 4 United States or North America, the dates match perfectly that you can actually attend both of them oh, and nice. participate in both of them. Uh, when the UAE ends, I believe three weeks later, the US starts, something like this uh, along those lines. So the goal for 2024 is to be able to be on the, the startup line for both events, because if I can do both, then now that's bringing me the time on the track in front of other people that they're nice, but then not just the nice people from Sunday morning that are trying to get the best lifetime. They're trying to be get in front of me <laughs> and I'm going to do whatever I can to be in front of them. So if I get to attend those five races with UAE and five races with the US, then that would be plenty of experience that I think is very invaluable um, if I want to move forward and further into the process. Oh, that'd be tremendous. Yeah. Anytime uh, behind a Formula 4 car uh, would be much more valuable to you, I think, than the karting is. So I would look into that mm -hmm. and try to get your foot in the door with that. And like I said, that simulator racing, people think it's a video game, but it's, I mean, it is in a way, but it's more of a, a realistic simulator than most people imagine. It's got that force feedback. So I have my wheels mm -hmm. pretty high as far as the the force you need to generate to to overcome the the force that it gives you. And uh, mm -hmm. it's a workout. It's it's a lot of uh, strain on your upper body. So, um, you know, training your neck, your neck muscles are really important. Your arm and upper body shoulders are important. Your abs and your core and mostly your right leg uh, and your butt. Even um, you got to get all that strong. And uh, it's a big difference going for from the karting G forces to even a Formula Four car G forces. It's a lot of physical effort and mental uh -huh. uh, mental power just to overcome all that stuff. I am definitely going to look into this. And I believe for the, the resistance into the, the steering wheel, it comes with uh, Thrustmaster. Is that the, the, the brand that provides this kind of feedback? Um, I think that's one of them. Definitely Thrustmaster. I've heard okay. of them. Uh, I think the, I'm not sure who designs their force feedback, but it's, it's branded as Fanatec. Okay. But uh, I know okay, some, I personally know some uh, motorsports fitness coaches. So if you're looking for anybody to have tailored specific training plans and meal plans and mental workout plans uh, for being calm on race day, I can put you in touch with those guys too. One is Southern Pride Performance, Ethan Chapluck, and On Track Performance by Skylar Cop. Um, they're both okay. phenomenal. I both I podcasted with both of them. If you look through the episodes. Um, to get get a little bit of feedback or information on them, but I could put you in contact if you want their phone number as well. Okay, definitely. Yes, I'd like to speak with uh, with them. Very good. So, uh, so tell me about your business a little bit. What do you do uh, for work? 
Uh, well, we do uh, ground transportation for passengers. I don't know if you're familiar. You've probably seen them at the airport, those guys in a suit that's that hold a sign that says Mr. Smith or something like this. And then they just grab your luggage, take you to the car, and then take you to your destination. That's what we do. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, it's referred to as limousine, which is a very tricky word because people think of limousine as a stretch vehicle where you're going to party in there and everything. It fits for both, for the stretch vehicle and for the black car. So I do more of the, the black car side really into the, the corporate world. And uh, that's how I met all of those Qualcomm and other customers. Okay. Actually, yeah. actually that's why I was driving today. I, I don't really drive anymore. Uh, I mean, near, never. Uh, I think the last customer I picked up myself was probably in January because we were stuck and I had to help. But this one customer is part of uh, my plan toward the racing. So I like to show my face and kind of discuss with him. He's very personable. So I was like, hey, I'm just going to go and get him, you know, and uh, owner's privilege. I don't need the black suit and the tie. I can just go uh, <laughs> with the blue one and a little more relaxed. Um, so, yeah, that's what we do. And uh, we just uh, we just made an acquisition um, in Atlanta. And uh, we're trying to get into the, the motor coach and buses part because that's where there is plenty of uh, of uh, development to be made uh so much uh, so much expansion possible and then therefore that's where the money is at um if you can pair the sedan suv and the bigger vehicle and it gives you a hand toward the world you really have that hand on to what's going on in the world because the kind of people that use this there is mom and pops kind of going to dinner for, for a date night but it's mainly the people that move the world around and i really like to um to, to be able to be in that environment. I'm not really about the celebrity world, but the people that are changing everything every day, that's who I want to be around. So uh, that really, it gives me what I want. I can be behind the wheel if I want to, which I really love this. And I can be exposed to the people that are accomplishing things that I'm happy to see around the world. So it's very fulfilling, you know, very, very fulfilling to be in that, uh, in that industry. Sure. And, uh, there's probably a lot of players in the industry, right? So what makes your company stand out from the rest? Um, well, we were in Las Vegas when I came to Speed Vegas for a convention. And actually, while I was on the track, uh, my HR lady was over there. And, you know, um, when we meet at those conventions, we meet the same people we've met before. We're all kind of friends. So we start partying when the convention is over or like at night when the, when the stations are over, we start partying and get a few drinks. And since we're getting in the industry very aggressively and get those those motor coaches uh, and all this acquisition situation, people have the tendency to kind of talk shit about us, kind of like, hey, we're shaking the world around. So some people just want to spit on us and some of the people are getting a little scared and they're like, okay, what is this guy doing? Anyway, there's this guy, gentleman, um, that's somebody we interact with quite often he's a really cool guy but he has a big mouth and he got a little drunk and he didn't realize that my short lady was going to tell me whatever's happening behind my back anyway while i was racing and then she started mentioning the motor coaches and he was like oh you guys need to slow down you haven't even learned how to crawl yet that you already want to fly and you you need to you need to stop that man like he's not he's not going to do anything and she told him you don't realize how jordan is there is no stopping him <laughs> so that's what makes us different it's that the environment i'm trying to bring in is my personality overall is like there's nobody stopping us so we went through covid six months after starting the company that didn't stop us we went through plenty of drama and and problems and everything but that's not stopping us so tomorrow you can throw another recession at us or another covid19 we got it and when you guys are going to get bored of it, then we're going to play the game until the end. So there is a lot of player, but uh, we're going to stick around. So we're not going to go home at halftime. That's that what makes us different. That's good to hear. Sounds like you're in it for the long haul. And so uh, what would you say are your biggest challenges with uh, with the company? Um, you know, I've never been in the corporate world before I started this company. I've been military before, and then I came here as a student. I was a nanny on the side. I mean, that was part of my visa and everything. So I've never been in the corporate world. So that's been a huge challenge has been to learn how things work. Because in the military, you tell your guy to do something, they're going to do it. And if they don't do it, you're kind of allowed to slap them behind the ears, you know, like shut up, get to it, do some push-ups. 
and like i don't care if you're crying like there is no crying you sick well are you dead no then you come to work you know so then i had to come to the realization that the corporate world didn't work that way especially in california on top of that i'm french so i'm very straightforward uh, and i say a lot of things the way i would say them in france and i very quickly realized that i can't do this in california <laughs> so i had to adapt to this um not only just speaking but the financials in the military the military is a huge financial um hole so the money is spent but it's not necessarily made in the bank and corporate world you can do this so you have to learn the financials and it's a lot more complicated than just having your own budget so i think that part has been extremely hard um and then just overall i want to bring a lot of innovation to this um like a lot of it, so we're working on our own software, our own mobile app and everything. And I came to to face a lot of uh, of struggle because no, the world doesn't happen as fast as my thoughts are coming. And the, I, I guess, yeah, the, the hardest part of this has been to just slow everything down enough that I can speed up the world a little bit, but I don't have to to just fall off my legs and fall on my face because I'm trying to speed up the world too fast. You know, there's just so much I can accelerate everything around me before they start being like, okay, you're going too fast. Just go away. Um, so th- I think that's been the hardest part because the first couple of years on top of COVID, we, we just, I tried to make everything happen all at once and we're still facing some problems from that aspect. Some other mistakes I've made last year where I was just trying to go too fast and too hard and the consequences are not paid tomorrow or next week they paid next year we're paying now the consequences of my mistakes from early last year so now i think that's the hardest part is just to to get to the right speed and realize that the world doesn't move the way and at the speed that you want it to sure i understand that it's uh it's a lot going on there it sounds like it's a big operation we try yeah and so I wanted to switch gears and talk about marketing for a little bit, um, for for racing that is. And so, do you have you developed uh, a race resume of sorts? Um, your accomplishments in racing, like in a uh, like a PDF document or anything like that? Not at all. I don't have anything to put on there. <laughs> so you've it sounds uh, like you've done track days for motorcycles and uh, and a lot of karting. Um, is there any other actual like uh, racing outside of the karting world that you've done? Nope, that's it for now. Okay. Well, if you could compile all of your karting, I'm sure you could make a resume out of that as well. I you can, know, yeah. If you've if you've kept track of your 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 podiums, your first places, you could at least say like, this is not where I want to be, you know, in five years, but this is what I've done so far, and this is where I'd like to be. And, you know, if you do have a big social media presence, that's very valuable to them. Because if you look at some of the top pros in certain motorsports, they're not always winning races, but they, they seem to be in the sport for a long time. And they have they have views. They have people paying attention to them. And I think that's so important nowadays. It's not always how fast you are now. It's about how many followers you have, how many interactions how on, in social media are you getting. And there's actually a woman uh, in drag racing. Her name is Megan Meyer, M-E-Y-E-R. And she's got a website that is dedicated to sponsorship activation and and gaining sponsorship and how to do it. And she has her own course on on how to uh, attract sponsors and how to keep sponsors, how to make them happy, how to to best promote your sponsors um, and to get them in the first place. So I think it's okay. super super valuable. Uh, it's a course that I'd like to take because I'm not perfect myself. But it, yeah, if, I think it's uh, MeganMeyer.Racing. Um, and I'm sure you could find it from there. But she's got a whole course on uh, how to get sponsorship through social media and through, through real money-paying sponsors. Um, looks like she has a lot of testimonials. Uh, like I said, it's a course I would like to take myself. Um and I don't think it's that expensive either. The 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 results that you could get for a small amount of, you know, a couple week or a couple month course, I think could be super valuable. 
Okay, I'll definitely look into this. There is there is a lot of things very valuable in that interview that uh, I'm going to spend about 10 hours just to organize the notes properly for all of this and just put it into motion. Yeah, I'm giving away a lot of free information here. I don't even charge anything for right? it. Just an hour or two at <laughs> a time. Well, I'll, uh, I'll be like the average uh, um, influencer on social media that reach out to a company. I'll give you a shout out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I'll make sure I'll make sure to do this and do whatever I can to actually assist you, uh, starting with talking to Dustin. And then if you have anything I can do to help, I'd, I'd be happy to uh, return the, the information or the favor that uh, that's been given. Yeah, and definitely stay in touch with me uh, when you make it big in Formula Four cars and maybe you get sick or injured. Just think of me as your replacement driver. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll be think, there. Uh, I'll think about it. For sure. And so, yeah, I'm trying to get into sports cars as well as open wheel and motorcycles as well. So like, I love racing. I just got into bikes more because it was cheaper. Uh, I could see myself, yeah. you know, funding a, a pro season easier on a motorcycle than I ever did in a, in a car. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep. So uh, Great. that's for an hour so far. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? I think we went over pretty much everything. <laughs> All right. I like it. Um, so where can people find you online? Um, well, I have an Instagram, swan underscore racing underscore was uh, the, the closest that I could get. You guys can find me on there. I interact on it a lot more than I do on my personal Instagram. So whatever question or information you have, uh, feel free to reach out and I'd be happy to communicate with you. Are you on, yeah, that's uh, about it. Are you on YouTube? Are you a video creator? Uh, not at all. Uh, I've been told by my company marketer to start doing this. I need to get started. Uh, I don't know where or how to get started yet, but uh, that that's in my mind, and that's probably going to happen sometime in April. When that happens, I'll make sure to uh, to announce it on Instagram as well so everybody can cross-reference and find me. All right. And then uh, what's the company called? Where, where can people uh, find your company if they want um, some services? So it's called Swan, Swan Limousine. And then we have two websites just for San Diego in general. It's called swandiego.com. So just like the city of San Diego, but with the company word, Swan Diego. And then otherwise, you can find us on app.swan.limo. And just give us a call or make a booking directly. And uh, we'll make sure to uh, take good care of you. Mention that you found us about the racing and uh, we'll, uh, we'll double the care. Awesome. Great to hear. Well, I'll get this episode edited and published um, probably within a week or two. And then uh, I'll be sure to tag you in it and uh, just share it as much as you can. Awesome. Will do. All right. Thanks so much for coming on and talking to me and uh, see you at the racetrack. Thank you. See you. Bye. Have a good one.